0: Love, talk Radio. What if you were wearing something sexy? What if you were drinking? What if you made the first move? No matter what, sexual assault is never your fault. Support is available 24/7 through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Call 1-800-656-HOPE
1: or visit Rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN, reminding you it's never your fault.
2: Brought to you by RAIN and this station.
3: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the second half of Saturday Morning with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this month is uh, Cervical Cancer Awareness Month, and this morning I have three great guests um, going to be talking about cervical cancer, how we can find out the symptoms, how to get treatment, um, how to prevent it. So these are all wonderful guests. Um, let's see. I think there is a call here. This might be. See. Good morning. Is this Dr. Mona Saray? Oh, no, this is Dr. Saslow. This is Dr. Saslow. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Dr. Saslow is here. She is um, a managing director HPV, and GYN cancers for the American Cancer Society. And let's see, we got another caller here. Good morning. This is Joy Keyes. Good morning. Dr. Dr. Sarai. Dr. Mona Saraya. Hi, Dr. Mona Sarai. This is Joy, and I have on the line Dr. Saslow from American Cancer Society. Wonderful. Um, Dr. Um. Sariah is from, uh, she's a medical officer and team lead in the CDC's Division of Cancer Prevention and Controls, Epidemiology and Applied Research Branch. And I got a third caller. I think this is Tamika Felder. Yes. Good Hi. Morning. Hi, so Tamika. So happy to be here. Thank you for calling in.
2: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here, especially with Dr. Saslow and Dr. Soraya
3: yeah Cor and I just yours. had, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I don't compare to the the knowledge the knowledge that is on this line right now, from personal experience to medical knowledge is just mind blowing. Um, I just want to say that, um, again, this is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month. Um, Tamika and I uh, did a um, Twitter chat on Wednesday um, that was just really great. We had a lot of people involved. I gave some giveaways away. But most importantly, um, people were able to share their stories, and Tamika shared some stories about her. Other people shared their, their experience with cervical cancer. I'm going to be posting the uh, transcripts from those on the Facebook page so that anybody can read them and, um, you know, get some knowledge from them and gain because a lot of links were shared, um, phone numbers and things of that nature. And, and we'll do the same this morning. Um, I'm going to start with um, Dr. Sarai. What is cervical cancer? Uh,
0: cervical cancer is, um, is basically um, – a cancer of the, of the genital tract, the lower part of the uterus. And it begins, um, uh, the wonderful thing about cervical cancer is that we can um, detect it early before it can even become cancer through uh, screening.
3: Now, um, how can we prevent getting that? I'm going to d- direct that to Sassler, Dr. Sassler. How can we prevent getting uh, cervical cancer?
1: So, um, for many decades, women have been getting PAP tests, uh, usually at their gynecologist or their family practitioner. Uh, that test tax uh, quick uh, So, as Dr. Soraya mentioned, we can do this before it becomes uh, about. Uh, 20 or so years ago, we uh, recommended a newer, more uh, accurate test. It's the HPV test because almost all cervical cancers are caused by HPV, which stands for human papillomavirus. Um, and we also, about 15 years ago, have an even more direct uh, prevention method uh, for our youngest uh, citizens, um, girls and boys, which is the HPV vaccine. And the HPV vaccine, uh, two doses are given between the ages of 12 or up to age 26, um, if not given on time. And that vaccine will prevent um, almost all cervical cancers and uh, 90% of other uh, cancers caused by HPV. So there are six in all.
3: Now, Tamika, when did you first hear about cervical cancer? I mean, did you hear about it when you were younger, or did you hear about it when you were older and you were dealing with it?
2: No, I had no knowledge of it until I was diagnosed with cervical cancer, and I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to anyone else. Now, once I started getting more involved and talking about it and sharing my story, I realized that there was someone I had gone to college with, she had experienced cervical cancer. Um, But it wasn't something that I recalled when I heard those words myself. So it wasn't until I was diagnosed. And I now am just working as hard as possible to make sure that my story and other stories are known so that no one has to experience this because people are still experiencing not only cervical cancer, but HPV-related cancers. And You know, unlike other cancers, we do have those diagnostic tools. We have a wonderful um, vaccine to prevent it. But right now, people are still dying from cervical cancer, and I want to change that.
3: Now, Dr. Sarai, um, are there different types of cervical cancer um, that people can get, or is it just one kind? And what are the symptoms? What should people look out for?
0: But cervical cancer, um, thanks for that question. Cervical cancer um, is, is, consists of several different types of cancers. Um, there are different types. The most common types of cervical cancers are uh, called squamous cell can- carcinomas, and they develop in the outer part of the cervix. Um, what's uh, nice about this is, uh, or what one thing about this is that it can um, be detected through uh, the, the PAP test, or the HPV test, or the combination of the two. The other type that's sort of growing uh, in the United States, it's becoming an increasing um, rate, especially in um, in select groups, is adenocarcinomas, and they're considered glandular types of cells. Um, so they, they're approximately 25% of cervical cancers, while squamous cells are like three quarters of uh, cervical cancers. And I think um, what's nice about it is that the HPV test um, the pap test uh, traditionally hasn't gone as far uh, when you're sampling uh, to detect that, and uh, our thinking right now is that the HPV test is is able to detect, detect the HPV virus that causes both of these cancers. Uh, the symptoms, no. did you ask about the symptoms? I'm sorry.
3: Yes, I was asking about
0: the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so cervical cancer... Um, early on doesn't really cause any signs or symptoms. It's advanced cervical cancer uh, that may cause bleeding or discharge from the vagina um, or bleeding after sex. Um, So if you have any of these signs, see your doctor. Um, They may be caused by something else than a cancer, but the only way to really know is to see your uh, clinician. Um, We also have a symptom diary checker that you can use on the CDC website. Uh, Pre-cancer, which is actually much more common than cervical cancer, the cervical pre-cancer, also is not associated with any symptoms. Um, So that's why it's really important for people to get screened routinely at a certain age.
3: Now, Dr. Sifo, does it matter how many sexual partners you have? Uh, Does it matter if you wear a condom? So uh, yes, no. (laughs)
1: Uh, These (laughs) are risk factors. Um, Almost everybody get HPV in their lifetime and so probably the majority of women who get cervical cancer have only had one sex partner in their lifetime. Um, But yes, more sex partners means more exposure to the virus that causes cervical cancer. The recommendations that Dr. Soraya um, just mentioned about getting regular screening are the same regardless of sexual practices. Um, So um, and then, as far as condoms, uh, condoms certainly don't—they're uh, pre- not recommended as a way to prevent HPV infection because it's actually transmitted by skin-to-skin contact, as opposed to semen or other ways. Um, but condoms have been found to decrease the risk of precancers progressing and getting worse, um, and so certainly condoms are recommended for the prevention of many other um, uh, viral transmission and for pregnancy. And so they're, they're recommended. But if you're looking to say, how do I prevent cervical cancer? Condoms would not be top of my list.
3: Yeah. Well, the, that key thing about the skin, I think is important. And that, you know, also, I mean, you may not look, you could look at someone and, and their body parts and may not see anything, Um, and so, so that's, that's an issue too. Now, Tamika, tell us a little bit about your experience and how you found out about, you know, having cervical cancer.
2: And sure. And I just, it'll be no surprise to anyone listening to this, who knows my story and where I stand, you know, it's 2021. So yes, if you have sex, and people have sex, you know, you're going to be at risk for cervical cancer. But I also don't want anyone who may be listening to this and thinking, I've had sex with more than one person. I don't want to go get screened or go to the doctor because I don't want to be judged or stigmatized or anything like that. So it's really important that I share that. Um, And so for me, um, when I found out I was diagnosed, at 25, it was really hard. Like, it, you know, I think about things that I've gone through in my life, and it has been one of the most impactful things that's ever happened to me because I lost my fertility. And I'm so thankful that I didn't lose my life because people do lose their lives. And, Mm -hmm. you, you know, when I look, I wake up every day, And there's no way getting around these scars that go from my belly button to my vaginal lip. I can see every single staple that was, you know, given to me after my hysterectomy to hold my body together um, so that I could survive and thrive. What I want Mm. people to know is this isn't an easy cancer. Dr. Soraya said something that is so important that I think that is not talked about enough amongst the general public. If someone is listening today, As you remind the people in your life to go get mammograms, you need to go and remind them to get screened. You need to make sure that they or their children are getting vaccinated against cervical cancer. There's a lot of misinformation that is on the information. You know, social media is so wonderful because, Anyone can share anything to as many people as possible, but that's also the reason why it's a nightmare sometimes when it comes to disseminating information. And so credible sources are important. But what, but what I know is that there's a lot of good science that is happening. I know, you know, people who – have suffered from ovarian cancer who wish they had a vaccine. They wish they had a diagnostic test, even with breast cancer. Uh, Those pre-cancers are very prevalent. And a lot of people still don't know if they have a LEAP procedure, if they have cryo-freezing or things like that. It is because of HPV. It is because of pre-cervical cancer. So there's a lot of education that still needs to happen. Um, And if you are a patient and if you have experienced any of this, I want you to be shame resilient. And you don't have to tell your story, but I also don't want you to be ashamed of your story. But if you are willing to share your story, please reach out to me or my organization so that uh, you know that you are absolutely not alone. We're there for you.
3: And tell them the website uh, name and your your uh, name's on social media, Tameka. Sh-
2: sure. It's Survivor, and it's C-E-R-V-I-V-O-R. Survivor.org. You can find us on Facebook at Survivor, on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest at I am Survivor. And you can follow me by my name on any of the platforms. Um, and we, we talk a lot about cancer. We talk a lot about cervix. We say the word vagina. I ask people to scream mm. the word vagina because <laughs> we want people to get comfortable with saying these things. You you I want to to our uh, Twitter
3: um, chat. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to thank T-
0: T- Tamika Felder for all the work that you've done. And originally when we've all been working on cervical cancer, it's been a stigmatizing disease, but I think T- Tamika has really done a wonder wonders for destigmatizing cervical cancer and HPV.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thank I, you so I, I, much. I'm trying I, my best.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she's doing a great job and she has some great followers. Um, One of the things we did at the Twitter chat uh, um, a couple days ago is I posted a photo of where the vagina and the cervix and the ovaries because I said people actually don't know what these things look like or actually where they even are on their body as a woman. There are women that don't know these things. And definitely many, many men that don't even know, like, well, you say OBRI, well, what does that mean? So I posted a photo because I thought it was important to get a visualization of when you're talking about the cervix, where is the cervix and all these things. And um, uh, I I just thought that was really important. Uh, Now, Dr. Sarai, what are the treatments... um, and maybe what are the risks around those treatments?
0: Um, yeah, so cervical, uh, I'm going to talk about the treatments for both um, cervical cancer as well as precancer because I think that's something that many women may have familiarity with. Um, so originally, you know, when you have uh, the HPV or the pap test, uh, you find out if it's po- uh, Most times it's, uh, it may be normal, but sometimes it may be abnormal. You have a positive test. So then, usually the doctor or the clinician does a little bit more uh, detailed workup, where they look at your cervix, which is called a colposcopy, mm-hmm. and if um, and many times a biopsy is taken, and the biopsy could show you grades of pre-cancer um, or uh, invasive cancer, or many or may, maybe normal. So with pre-cancer, the treatment, um, as I mentioned, after the colposcopy, could be uh, uh, depending on the grade, could be a, a LEAP, it could be a code biopsy, could be a, a, a cryotherapy. Um, and if it, um, many times women are basically com- told to come back on a routine basis to watch based on the finding, and that's called surveillance. So um, it's not abnormal or not unusual for a woman to be under surveillance uh, going back to the, the clinician um, several times over many, many years. Um, when it turns into invasive cancer, again, the treatment really depends on um, on the stage of the cervical cancer, but also mm-hmm. depends, okay. on, um, depends on um, the exact location of the cancer within the cervix, the type of cancer, if it's squamous, adno, the age. And, and really recently, there's been a lot of successful in the treatment because it also depends on whether a woman um, wants to have uh, children, depending on the stage. So there's been a lot of options that have come up in the last few years, and also new treatments um, such as uh, immunotherapy or targeted therapy um, has also um, come up in the last few years. So typically, it's been with surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation. And now there's uh, more options. And as I mentioned, if a woman wants to desire to preserve her fertility, depending on the stage, there's also that option. Uh, There's some um, really great websites. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There's some really great websites that do describe um, the treatments of cervical cancer and also clinical trials that people can be part of. And that's on um, both the American Cancer Society website as well as the National Cancer Institute website.
3: Um, I wanted to ask Dr. Saslow, you know, people have myths and things. Can I go to the swimming pool? Can I get it from a toilet? Um, Are those ways that I could get it? If somehow I I mistakenly sit on somebody's toilet because their skin touched that toilet, could I get it from there? Yeah,
1: so that's a great question, Um, and I've heard things before. Similarly, um, can I get them from a sex toy? Um, And so almost all HPV is transmitted by skin-to-skin contact Um, and usually it's penetration it's penetrative sex it could be vaginal sex it could be anal sex um, and also oral sex so um, throat cancer is one of the uh, six cancers that HPV can cause Um, as far as uh, getting HPV from everyday toilets and, and other things Um, the the virus can be found in places like toilet seats and and sex toys and other places but it's probably not uh, clinically relevant it's probably um, any any virus that you can find even under your fingernails it's not um, going to cause cancer Um, so Mm -hmm. in almost can, in almost all cases, the answer is no. Cancer is caused almost always by penetrative sex, and sometimes by non-penetrative intimate contact.
3: Now, Doctor Sacco, there's vulvar, there's vulvar cancer. Can you explain what that is and where that that occurs on the the body? Sure, so that's another
1: um of the six cancers um that the vagina is another, the anus is another, and the penis um is the final one um and so uh vulva and vaginal cancer are not the same as cervical cancer. it's a different body part it's external um the way it it uh, is often caused by h p v um it's much rarer than cervical cancer. And it's more likely to be found by a visual inspection. So when a woman or a person with a, um, a, a cervix and, and vagina go to um, a gynecologist or for a step, um, they're used to having probably internal pelvic exams, but there's also or should also be visual and external uh, palpation.
3: Um, Tamika, when you finally found out and you were going through this process, what was the most important thing that say friends and family could do for you? So, so if I'm a friend or family member of someone who gets diagnosed, what can I do? What should I be doing to support
2: that person? Well, number one, don't add to the stigma and shame. Number two, um, it's a fine line between supporting someone and giving them space to accept a diagnosis. Um, And, you you know, a lot of people mean well, but they ask questions that can be very insensitive. Um, I had Mm. someone say to me, and again, we were young, they were a coworker, but they actually said to me um, when I found out and I shared with my office, you know, if someone told me I had to give up my fertility, I would just die, you know. And I was thinking, well, I might just die, you know. That mm. shouldn't say that. Um, but really there's a support. Lots of things, you know, set up a meal train um, so people don't have to worry about uh, food, you know, whether they're single or alone. If they definitely are single um, or or live alone, you want to make sure that you find ways to support them, even if it's just kind of dropping stuff off or having a delivery system picked up. Maybe, you know, offering to clean their home or have someone clean their home. Transportation is very important, especially if you um, are unable to drive. Depending on what your treatment, you may be unable to drive for duration. So you may need help with that. So just being there. And sometimes just sending a card or a text, you don't have to respond. I just want you to know that you're in my thoughts, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking of you, or whatever.
3: Now, um, you know, some people are afraid to give it to their boys, the, the, the injection, Dr. Uh, Soraya. What is the risk for men, young men, when they're getting this injection? Is it different than women? What, what can you tell parents? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, HPV
0: vaccination is recommended routinely for boys and girls, and now um, it's almost it is the same recommendations where before it used to be different. Uh, I think uh, the vaccine is known to prevent genital warts. Um, and it, it it can prevent uh, anal cancer, penile cancer, and uh, as as Dr. Sassel mentioned, um, oral pharyngeal cancer or throat cancer has been increasing, and mostly among males. So, um, as a parent, I know I'd like to know that if I'm vaccinating my son, um, I would I would be preventing these cancers, and also preventing uh, cancers that um, that you know, preventing HPV infection that can cause cervical cancer and vaginal and vulvar cancers in girls. It's very, you safe. know, because
3: that's... Um, okay,
0: yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, the most common um, reactions have been mostly local. Uh, it's important <clears throat> when, um, with many vaccines that when you're in, in the doctor's office um, that uh, syncope or, or fainting can occur, and so it's often important to stay um, in the office for 15 minutes while you're observed. But generally, there's been very few side effects. And um, here at CDC, we've created a, a nice fact sheet that you can look at to look at the safety of the vaccine. Um, but generally, it's been very effective.
3: Dr. Sasso, I've read somewhere that you could grow out of having HPV, like you could get it when you're in there and then it goes away. Is, is that true? So
1: HPV often goes away on its own. Um, it sometimes can stay dormant in the body and then um, cause problems later on. So usually people get HPV when they start having sex in life, so as, as older teenagers and young adults. Uh, but the cancers that HPV causes don't occur until later in life. So what's happening is the virus is sitting around quietly, um, and and can then later progress into pre-cancer and cancer, but most of the time HPV uh, goes away by itself without causing any problems. And we know this because, um, as I think we've all said <laughs> um, on this uh, podcast today, that almost everybody will get HPV, eighty, ninety percent of people will get HPV. Almost everybody who's ever had sex has been exposed to HPV, but yet about 35,000 people every year get an HPV cancer. Um, And so if the HPV didn't go away by itself, then we would have tens of millions of people getting HPV cancer. Um, So we call this um, clearance and sometimes uh, latency. Um, And we really don't know which HPV infections will go away by themselves and which ones will stay around and not cause trouble and which ones will stay around and progress to trouble. And so that's why um, we want to vaccinate everybody so that they'll be protected.
3: Tamika, have you ever heard about seniors dealing with this issue? Because, you know, seniors, people think they don't have sex and (laughs) seniors do have sex.
2: Seniors have a lot of sex. <laughs> and um, as I as I age, I hope I'm having a lot of sex as I age. Um, and I'm just being honest. Uh, so that's one of it's a, it's a frustrating thing that people think that. Um, but seniors are still at risk. You know, whether you are, say, divorced and starting a new relationship or just maybe it's been dormant in your body for however long so you know the guidelines you have to keep up with them i love you know for people to have Uh, primary care physician as well as specifically an OBGYN. Obviously, if you have cancer, you would need a gynecologic oncologist, but you have to have a relationship with your doctor. Uh, Sometimes people utilize the emergency room as their doctor, and I get it. I understand it, but you really need, you know, what's called shared decision-making. So if you are, you know, above the age of 60 or 65, I would, you know your situation. Are you in a new relationship? Maybe you've switched partners. What's going on? You should absolutely still be screened for um, cervical cancer depending on your lifestyle. And also, you know, know your body. Are you experiencing any bleeding during or after sex? Are you, is your body whispering and telling you other stuff? You know, earlier when we started this conversation, we talked about there are not a lot of early symptoms. The, the ones that we are aware of could be anything. You know, if you have cramps, maybe if you are having your period, you just think that, oh, this month it's extremely painful or whatever. So it really is listening to your body, but also having a relationship with your clinician so that when things arise, you can talk to them. If you are uncomfortable doing that, you need to make sure that you call or you email. A lot of times now you can email, and this pandemic has been great for um, really telehealth. I'm loving telehealth. You know, my doctor's yeah, ready for me to come happen. in. I'm going in. But but it has been really great, um, and I hope that as we move forward, you know, post-COVID, there'll still be opportunities for people to also do telehealth because it's a way to get people in. And I also need for doctors to be you know, okay with having uncomfortable situations. I've heard doctors say, well, I just assumed this person wasn't having sex, or it wasn't. And I've had people come to me like, I'm still having sex. I still want sex. (laughs) And I always tell our patients, you know, sometimes your doctor is just as uncomfortable as you are talking about sex. So someone has to bring it up, either you or your doctor.
3: Yes, yes, definitely.
2: Well, you women have been
3: great this morning, all the knowledge here, Dr. Saslow, Dr. Soraya, uh, Tamika Felder. Thank you so much for coming on today for this uh, Cervical Cancer Awareness Conversation I really appreciate that. I'll be posting some links to the CDC, American Cancer Society, and also to Nika's um, website so that people, they can get in touch with or learn more about your organizations and what you're doing to combat cervical cancer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show this morning. I hope you've learned something. Uh, Remember to follow at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I'm going to be giving away a book today, so you want to follow Sharon G. Flake's book, um, The Life I'm In, and uh, you really want to check that out. It, It has so many stories in there, human trafficking, trauma, laughing, friendship, family. Oh, my God, it's so much Uh, And it's about young people, and if you know a young person, or maybe you were a young person one day, you still might want to read it. (laughs) I mean, it's good for adults to read um, because you have young people around you if you know young people. uh, How can you relate to them uh, if this book is written in the voice of a young person? So I would encourage you to try a win or go buy it online. Thank you so much, and have a great weekend. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.